As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Saint Happy Hour podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of saintsnation.com, Kevin Held of the Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of the Now Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. (laughs) (laughs) The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even have a joke, Dave. Dave smells like nougat. Now, here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. All right, welcome to a special Sunday night edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. As always, we are sponsored by JLD Hot Sauces and Knives. Guys, they have the best hot sauce. They're award-winning hot sauce. Andrew, you say the name because I butcher it. Bukjalokia. Bukjalokia. It comes in hot, extra hot, my personal favorite, and Thai flavors. They also have Reaper Madness Special Reserve made with the Reaper Pepper from Carolina. And for the Brave, you can get the Death Shot. It has the extract of 10 Reaper chilies in each one-ounce bottle. Jerry was kind enough to get that shipped to Kevin, so Kevin will have his felt face melted off probably this week. JLD also has high-quality handmade knives, You'll, they'll, you'll the best you'll find anywhere, including ones for hunting, fishing, and cooking. Go to JLDSharpSauce.com. Use the code SAINTS. Get 10% off your order today. That's JLDSharpSauce.com. All right, Andrew, before we get to the Saints win, I want to make an announcement for the patrons. We did the drawing for the Drunk History Saints co-host award winners, people that donated $25 a month for four months during football season. You got entered in it. And the winners were John Murphy, Colin Cormier, Jim Grimsley, and David Bowen. They all got notified. Congratulations, guys. Hey, the other people that didn't win for the Drunk History raffle, if you keep donating and you donate four more months, you get your own Drunk History show. You don't even have to worry about a raffle. So those of you that keep donating... We love you guys. Thanks. It's going to be awesome to do the Drunk Histories in 2019 with the fans. We got topics to do. It's going to be fantastic. But, Andrew, the Saints played today. Um, They could not have give less of a fuck about this game than they did, and they lost 33-14. to My three-year-old gives more shit about going to the bathroom on the potty, and he does not care one iota about going and using the potty yet. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. So – you know, all these Saints fans that are upset, I, I saw it on Twitter. People worked up. Uh, the guy I sat next and if anyone should be pissed or frustrated or annoyed by what went on, it should be me because I had to sit through it in person, <laughs> and it was awful. But, like, perspective. Perspective is important here. And, first of all, 13-3. and three. Top seed in the NFC. 
it goes through the Saints, right? That's that's number one. Number two, Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback. The two tackles playing in this game were not employed a week ago. They were not on NFL <laughs> rosters. It was, it's true. They and, signed and, one and, dude on Friday. And then forget those two tackles. The guards were Will Clapp, a seventh-round pick. Say what you will about how excited you are about him, but he's a seventh-round pick. And Cameron Tom, who's been in the system two years as an undrafted rookie. That was the offensive line that Teddy Bridgewater had to work with, okay? But that wasn't even, to me, when I watched that game, that wasn't even the part that was most noticeable to me. What was most noticeable to me was when the defensive starters were in, the lack of effort that was put into tackling, the lack of commitment to stopping anything, the lack of a scheme. Andrew, it looked like a Pro Bowl. The lack of a scheme from Dennis Allen. The coaches didn't care. The players didn't care. And I'm sure, Ralph, we're going to get more into why Sean Payton kind of orchestrated this in a second. But the the bottom line for me is (laughs) they did not care about this game. Neither should we. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I I was going to – I should have thought ahead of time. I I can't find my X-Files conspiracy music. I wanted to play it. I don't have it for my soundboard. But here's my conspiracy theory, Andrew. Sean Payton – he orchestrated this to go exactly how it went. It's Bill Parcells coaching 101 is make the building uncomfortable. And Sean Payton, if he really wanted to make a better effort to win this game, I'm not even saying he could have played the starters more because that was out because that's stupid. What he could have done, though, is he could have played the guys in the second half. He could have started them. Craig Robertson always plays with emotion. He's fired up to play. He knows that he's got to play that way to stay in the NFL. He'd have been really pumped to start the game, right? Manti Teo was real excited in the second half. They could have started all those dudes to start the game, and I think they would have had more energy. They would have cared more. But Sean Payton didn't I, I, want I them to win. I felt the same way about Manti Teo. Manti Teo looked like a guy that was playing for his job yeah. and pl- playing for a contract next year. But Sean Payton, he didn't want that. He wanted the Saints to look like shit so he could be mad after the game and he could go hard at them this week. And then next week when Dallas looks great or Seattle and everybody picks him to beat the Saints, he can say, look at that. Everybody's picking you to lose because you stunk it up the final week and we're going to get this right, and we're going to kick the shit out of Dallas. Nobody believes in you, even though you're 13-3. and three. He wanted this game to go exactly like it did. If I had the X-Files, X-Files music in the background, it would be much stronger conspiracy theory going on, but I don't. Uh, that's my, that's what I believe. Sean Payton, he wanted it to go like this so he could pitch a fit after the game, and I think he even got the veterans in on it. Cam. Cam Jordan was mad. He was like, we should be 14-2. Cam Jordan might be mad because he missed out on 250 grand because he didn't get a sack. That may be part of it with him. But I just think, like, you know how this game was going to go, Andrew. They weren't going to. It was a preseason game in December. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think the resonating thing for Saints fans is, you know, hey, why why is a third-string or fourth-string quarterback lighting the Saints defense up? We had all our starters in. That, that's the – Thing that's I think resonating the most and why I think people are so worked up why is Kyle Allen a third string quarterback doing this to our defense and should we be worried here 
here's the thing, though. And you, you've said this many times as we preview games and regular season games that matter. You've always said, look, the way, the way the NFL is now, they've changed the rules so much. If you don't get a pass rush, there's like about 18 quarterbacks that'll cut you up. But I'll take it a step further. If you don't have a pass rush and you don't even game plan, there's about 35 quarterbacks in the NFL that will cut you up. And Kyle Allen is one of those dudes. Like, the Saints didn't even scheme. They didn't even... If they needed to win this game today, Dennis Allen would have had exotic blitz blitzes that would have made Greg Williams blush. But they didn't need to, so they didn't. Yep. And here's the thing. Uh, Sean Payton is paranoid. He, he's OCD. <laughs> and, you know, it, my, it was funny. My dad, when the Saints scored to make it 30 to 33 to 13, he's like, why wouldn't Sean go for two here? And I'm like, because he doesn't want to show a formation on a two-point conversion to tape for the next guy. He just wants to kick the extra point and get out of here. And, and, and so I, I just think it's, it's kind of like that in the sense that we're already in the playoffs. I don't yeah. want to show anyone everything. I want the built-in excuse to be pissed off at my team. And lastly, yes. I, I, I do think this is a, a reality, a dose of reality for everyone, fans especially, that the margins in the NFL are so small. Everyone is good. Everyone is capable. Like You don't get to the league unless you have a prototype mm-hmm. arm or some special kind of quality. And so when it, a team isn't game planning for you and they're not trying to confuse you pre-snap or maybe the effort level is just like 5% less, you know, no, no one is talking about Dwayne Washington rushing for over a hundred yards. No one's, no one's talking about that because it all happened in the second half after the saints were done. But Dwayne Washington on 11 carries, went over 100 yards because Carolina had mailed it in, and their season was over, and they knew they had already won the game, and they weren't going to be bothered to tackle. <laughs> it was comically bad. It was. I thought at the end of the game when the Saints were running fullback dives, I kept thinking Zach Line there's was like going a 70 percent chance that Zach Line's going to break one and have Zach like a Zach Line was going touchdown. for nine yards a pop, Ralph. It was. I mean, it, exhibit A of people not caring in this game, Zach Line was going for nine yards a pop. I mean, you know, and, and my mom, God bless her, she was like, I want Teddy Bridgewater fired into the sun. He's terrible. He is not the heir apparent. <laughs> but, but I thought that Teddy Bridgewater looked fine. And here's the thing. All Teddy Bridgewater had to show was that his knee is fine, that the knee that it literally exploded and they nearly had to amputate his leg, that that's fine, that he can run, he mobile. He made a really nice scramble on a play. Yeah, he has a little happy – I think he has. He had a little happy feet and he didn't want to get crushed. But, like, why would he but, step up in the pocket to deliver but, but a again, good throw Derek, in a meaningless Derek game? and Cornelius Lucas were his tackles. Yeah. Like, he looked, he looked fine. Now, I'm not saying Teddy Bridge – Look, Teddy Bridgewater is not Drew Brees. No one the Saints are going to have after Drew Brees is going to be Drew Brees, okay? But Teddy Bridgewater is plenty good enough that if Drew Brees wins the Super Bowl and they hand the keys to Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater is plenty good enough 
to get the Saints to be a 10, 11, maybe even a 12-win team for the next two, three years. He's that. He's to me. He's a better version of Kirk Cousins. You know, but Kirk Cousins, like you need stuff around him. You need a good offensive line. You need good receivers. You need it. Like Bridgewater is not going to take like the receivers that Drew Brees did in his prime and make them awesome and throw for five grand. Like he's not going to do that. But he's very capable. And if if Drew Brees, if they won the Super Bowl and they retire, and he and Drew Brees retired, I would. F- I would feel great about Teddy Bridgewater. Nothing today changed my opinion about that at all. Yeah, I mean, I kind of go back to the original comment you made, which is that no one is ever going to look like Breeze. And I think we need to – Yeah, it's funny. The guy I was sitting next to you in the dome today, he was like – he Bridgewater made one throw, and he's like, you see, you see, Bridgewater <laughs> – you can't trust him to throw the ball. I'm telling you, Breeze, Breeze, is, Breeze is just a better quarterback. And, and like, I looked at him and I'm like, dude, you are yes. so spoiled. You're the biggest, you're the most spoiled NFL fan. And, you know, it, it, it came back to when, when, when uh, Bridgewater was starting a day on the drive-in, I heard a stat that Aaron Brooks was the last quarterback to win a start in the Dome as a quarterback not named Drew Breeze back in 2004. Yeah. 14 years ago, Ralph, was the last time a quarterback not named Drew Brees won a start for the Saints. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I just think we are so programmed to seeing Drew Brees. And, you know, and, and even Brees is not immune to criticism, whether it's arm truthers or, you know, the, the inevitable three games a year where he doesn't look that great. And even he's not immune to criticism, but... Look, teams have to find a way to win games without an elite quarterback, and they do it every Sunday. So, Andrew, my theory on Bridgewater is the way teams view him and the way the draft is going to be, even though they don't have a major quarterback coming, I think teams are going to find a reason not to pay him. Like, I think Miami, Denver, whoever, they're going to be like, we don't need to pay him $20 We can – get a quarterback in the draft in the fourth round that might be just as good or a second round or whatever, or we can get Joe Flacco. We can get another veteran cheaper and we don't have to commit to him. So I still think there's a, there's like a 35% chance that he stays with the saints as like five to 7 million. And look, once breeze, the fact of the matter is he could go at any moment. Like Peyton Manning was awesome then he was fucking terrible. The Denver defense dragged him to a Super Bowl, and he retired. Brett Favre was awesome in 2009. By the middle of 2010, he was washed and done. So, like, the longer they can keep Bridgewater around, the the decline for Breeze, I bet you it's going to be like every other quarterback in NFL history. It isn't going to be gradual. It isn't going to be go off into the sunset. It's going to be, he's awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh shit, a 400-pound defensive tackle fell on him and his arm's fucking wrecked and he's 40 and he's done. Yep. Yep. And, you know, uh, I just think a more athletic quarterback, a quarterback that has a stronger arm, those are not necessarily more appealing things than Drew Brees at this, even at this point in his career. Because you look at his technique, you look at his IQ pre-snap, mm-hmm. You look at his play recognition. You look at his ability to read a defense pre-snap. Yep. Those are all still elite things, even if his, you know, perf- even if his actual throws or his actual athleticism is diminished. 
you add all that pre-snap stuff and, and you add all that IQ stuff. And in the end, mm, he's probably still better. And, you know, I think, you know, I was listening to um, Dominique Foxworthy, who does podcast, NFL podcast for ESPN. He's really good. And he was making the point that NF, he's come around to the belief and NFL teams have come around to, to the, the belief that the number one thing for quarter, for quarterback is not arm strength. It is accuracy and the ability to put the ball where you want to put the ball. Because he, he said, basically, if a quarterback uh, can um, put the ball where he wants to put the ball, there's no defense that can stop it. And Drew Brees can still do that mostly, even though his skills or whatever have diminished, right? And I think that will stay with him for a while longer. He's just – the thing is, Andrew, he's 40 and a major injury will wreck him. I don't care how, how no, insanely I good agree. shape is in. I agree. That's a great point, Ralph. I, I go back to a play in this game. I was in the stadium today, but there was a rollout pass where – um, I thought Bridgewater's technique was really poor. He was off balance. He makes the throw. And Ben Watson is wide open. The throw is slightly behind him. He kind of has to adjust. He makes the catch, and it's an 18-yard gain. And he goes to the ground, and he gets touched. And it's an 18-yard game. So you're like, all right, great play. And Saints had, had some yards there. And, 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 you know, it's a first down, and you, you move the chain. So, no harm, no foul. But it, I look, I think about Drew Brees on that play, and I've been mm-hmm. spoiled again. Like we, we've been watching him for 12 years, and I think about that rollout, and I think about how Brees puts that ball in a place where he hits Ben Watson in stride, and you don't think it's much, but he catches that thing in, in perfect stride, and he's going towards the sideline, and he gets maybe six or seven more yards, and instead of an 18-yard pass, it's a 25-yard pass, and that may not seem like much, but when you think about the placement of the ball and yeah. those tight windows that you talk about, Breeze, and, and it's back going back to what Zach Streif has said on this very podcast, it's about throwing guys open sometimes, and that's the difference to me. And that's the difference between Breeze and every other quarterback, in my opinion, who's ever lived. And I'm not saying I'm not saying Breeze is gonna I'm not gonna argue with you that Breeze is better than Tom Brady or better than Aaron Rodgers, but what Breeze has done that no other quarterback in NFL history has done, maybe Brady, has said, I am going to fucking perfect my mechanics. I'm going to make them absolutely fucking spotless, perfect, and in chaos, in a pass rush, whatever, my mechanics are gonna be the same. And he went out and he did it. And that's what separates him from everybody else. Because his mechanics are always perfect. Whether he's rolling out, whether he's doing a three-step drop, a five-step drop, whatever. To get Breeze's mechanics off, you basically have to grind him in the dirt for four quarters. And there's not really any team that I've ever... I, I can't think of a team that's done it. Uh, that you but just so like... like but so the funny thing is, if you're a Saints fan and you watch you watch Teddy Bridgewater today, there's mm-hmm. seven or eight throws where you're like, oh my god, his technique is terrible here, right? But if you're a Carolina Panthers fan and you watch Cam Newton, who you know by <laughs> by most accounts was, you know, I mean he was an MVP quarterback two years ago, but you watch him play 
and you watch those throws, you, you then you would watch Teddy Bridgewater replace him, and you would watch those same throws, and that would not be instinctive to you. You wouldn't say, oh, man, his mechanics are way off here. You would just kind of say, like, oh, yeah, yeah that, that, that yeah, throw was like a little this. behind him, but uh, I don't really know why. You know, and yeah. again, it just goes back to we are spoiled, the Saints fans. Yeah, like Breeze has taught us, like Breeze has taught like regular fans, like mechanics, not because he explains it or anything. You just watch him do it every single time. And you're like, Breeze never does that where he's falling backwards on a rollout and doing it. No, his shoulders are always right. His The ball placement is right. And you just we just learned it, right, from watching him. Um, the one thing that – that I joked on Twitter, and I hope it's true. Eli Apple, I hope he's gotten all his pass interference penalties out of his system like a juice cleanse before the playoffs. <laughs> he was bad today. And I know we talked about guys not caring. But to me, he's a concern and the offensive line is concerned. And look, Bill Barnwell said it like five, six weeks ago. He listed all the contenders and all the team, all the styles that would beat them. And he said for the Saints – Teams that can throw the deep ball, and I still believe that. Like teams that can throw the deep ball, like Tampa did. Like the Saints are better at it because they figured out don't get beat deep. But a team with a hot quarterback and good receivers could do some damage to Saints. And I think teams are going to test them and be like, you know what, we're just going to throw it deep, and if you defend it, that's fine. But we got a chance that Eli Apple is going to do something dumb and get a flag. And I, not even today, that. Today's performance didn't really make me feel any worse or or better about Andrew, but it just reinforced it that like the deep ball is a problem. I I think the success or failure of this team, you nailed it. it it's going to come down to on the offensive side of the ball, how healthy can they get in two weeks? Often on, on the offensive line. Um, so you know, and really, it's Armstead and Andres Pete and Ramchick especially. Warford, you know, really every guy. I didn't see anything about Pete's hand, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he's okay, but no, I mean, all across the offensive line, I'm worried. Every single guy, I just, they're very banged up there. So, you know, on the offense, it's that, and then on defense, it's Eli Apple. Can can he hold up? Whoever the number two receiver is, regardless of who they play, is Eli Apple going to be a disaster? Is he going to be pretty good or is he going to be very good and i think the success of the team this season this postseason hinges on on those two factors yeah the playoff schedule got announced the saints play at 3:40 on sunday not this Love sunday it. obviously next sunday i like that i like that i like to play the last playoff game because then you get to enjoy all the playoff games ahead of time because if you play in the first playoff game like the Saints did in 2011, you lose. The whole weekend's just ru- ru- ruined and you don't give a shit. So, like, playing last is cool. It may make a flight for me dicey, but that's okay. I don't mind. Um, look, the offensive line is an issue, and we'll get into that next week, sort of, because the Saints are going to have rest and um, that sort of thing. Uh the one thing that uh, I worry about is they need a dude besides Michael Thomas, a receiver, to, to be something. They like like we joked about playoff playoff Josh Hill. Like that's all they need. They just need a dude to like be playoff Josh Hill. And Ginn didn't play today, but 
that was expected, right? You know, they weren't going to risk in. Were you surprised, though, Andrew, at how many starters they played? I found it kind of odd that, like, Rankins and Jordan and, uh, and Mario Davis were playing. Were you, I was, it was odd to me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know how, honestly, like, I just thought Manti Teo and, and Craig Robertson, like, they had so much energy, and they were so mm-hmm. excited to be on the field. You know, you could just see that. That I would have much preferred them to Demario Davis and and um, AJ Klein and and Anzalone in this game. I, I I know that seems crazy, but like, and I'm not saying in a playoff game I would rather those two guys. Of course no, today. I would. But today, today, like they were excited to be out there. They were motivated. They they fed off the fans and being in the stadium, like the fans fed off them more because after the play they were excited. They were celebrating, you know and. I thought Manti Teo played a great game. So yeah, I mean, if 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 Sean Payton really wanted to win today, and he didn't want to play the starters, he would have had the backups get announced on the defense. Let Craig yeah. Robertson hear his name get announced. Let Manti Teo hear his name get announced, and fire him up and fire up the crowd and and really go for it. But as I said at the beginning of the show, he didn't want that. He wanted the Saints to lose. He wanted a crisis. Um, uh, you know, as we wrap, you know, I'm not sure if I a... agree that he went into this game wanting the crisis. <laughs> I think, I think he went into this game kind of deciding like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play our starters for a half and then we're going to dial it back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think deep in his mind in a place that he would never admit to the media, he, he kind of prefers that it played out this way. In other words, yeah, like, yeah. He kind of loves that he got his ass kicked and, because it allows him to say he's embarrassed and he's not happy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you can say whatever, you know, company line you want to like make this okay, but it's not okay because I'm furious and, and I'm disappointed. And it allows him to say all those things. And it allows him to play the angle that he wants to motivate his team because it, it's today. all psychology. Is the head coach. Of your life? Yeah. It's all psychology, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and, and and so you know, it's 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 right out of the Bill Parcells playbook. It's Bill Parcells one hundred and one, and I just think he's going to be able to manipulate this now to make these guys think, oh, you're you think you're so great, you know, you're first seed in the NFC, but you just got your ass kicked by the Carolina Panthers. You got owned. You got embarrassed by this third string quarterback. No one's ever heard of, and then. He's going to wait until whoever wins the playoff game, maybe Dallas, and he's going to say, you hear all this media talk? You hear everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about how Dallas beat you and, and in Dallas and owned you, and they're coming to the Superdome, and they just won their playoff game, and everyone's down on the Saints, and they're not that impressive. And that's exactly how it played out when the Saints dump-trucked Arizona in the Superdome and I just there are so many parallels to 2009, and it's crazy. Here's one thing that we need to touch on a little bit: is Marcus Davenport nearly killed Kyle Allen. (laughs) Marcus Davenport late in this game was like sneaky exciting. He was. He and and here's my point: is he's going to be so good. Like if he's like if he is healthy. He is going to be a monster. He was really better this year than I thought he was. He, got, he hurt his foot, and he kind of derailed him a little, but he's getting close back to it. He's going to be so good. And 
to say that you gave up the 27th, the worst case scenario for the Saints is they gave up the 27th pick and the 27th pick for him. I agree. I, would, I agree with you. And here's the thing: when you say he's going to be good, like he could go full Martez Wilson, and the going to be could apply to the playoffs as soon as two weeks from now. Yeah. Like he, he, he's he can be a guy that his talent is so good. He can he could just be like. Oh my God, he's the lead. He's the lead on Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt because he had three sacks. Like his, and he's going to be if he's healthy. He's going to be elite and great. Um, so that was. Just, it was just, I think. I think there's a chance that he comes up with a play in, in the playoffs that's significant. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, if you if you wanted to go from 27 to 14, which the Saints did, you would never be able to do that with. The, with the 27th pick and the 27th pick. Like, Green Bay would tell you no. So, like, it, it worked out in the Saints' favor because they were correct in that they were like, our 2018 team is going to be awesome. This is going to be a bottom-of-the-first-round pick. And it it's not it's not, it's not not always wise to do that because that can blow up in your face tremendously. Look at Houston last year. They traded up. They had got Deshaun Watson, and it worked out. But they also gave up a, the number four pick to Cleveland, right? Yeah. Um. So... Uh, before we get out of here, I guess we'll 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 wrap up the the 2018 season when we have a full show next week with Dave and all that. But is there, I guess, besides the run defense that the, the Saints ended up finishing number two to the Bears by three yards as the so the Saints ended up number two against the nah. Bummer. What what is the thing in this season? That you are like, you're just I, I can't. I'm stunned. I'm stunned that that happened. Besides the run defense, because because if if I if I give you the choice to pick that, that's what I would pick too. So like, what's the thing that just surprised you about this 2018 Saints team that you just didn't see coming? Um, if I had to pick one thing, I would say it's just the linebacker play. I just never in a million years imagined that Manti Teo would be inactive every game and, and that Craig Robertson wouldn't start a single game this year. Not because they're not any good, um, but because DeMario Davis is maybe the best signing the Saints have had since Breeze in free agency. And, and, and that, you know, be just, Hello, Andrew. Are you there? Offensive line would be good. Um, expected, you know, pr- pretty much everything that was good this year for the Saints. Um, you know, very little has surprised me except the play of the linebackers. I mean, that was going to be my choice, too. I mean, the thing that surprised me even to another, and, and, it, and it's weird now because it's not the same as it was, but the offensive line was it. We all said like, if it can be healthy, it's going to be the best line in football, and we we expected it. But Andrew, when it was right and they were all five playing, like it was at a level that I didn't even think it could get to. Like it was even better than my wildest dreams. Like they just 
ripped people apart on offensive line. And they went we they they went into Minnesota and they went into Baltimore when they had all the dudes and Baltimore's pass rush is fierce and they nearly mur- they sacked Stafford uh ten times the or, or Minnesota sacked him ten times after the week that they played the Saints and um Baltimore sacked Mariota they sacked him more times than he had completions the week before they played the Saints, and the Saints just stoned both of those teams. Like that offensive line, it didn't matter how good your fucking pass rush was; they just shut you down. And those games were on the road, so like with the offensive line, like its greatness surprised me. I knew it would be great, but it was like the best offensive line I think I've ever seen, Andrew. Yeah, that's fair, and uh, man, I, I just hope they can get healthy. Going in, you know, they've got two weeks now, or really three weeks, because none of them played except for Unger. Um, you know, Pete, you know, hopefully his wrist is okay, but, um, you know, that, that's a lot of rest, and I'm just hoping they can get close to a semblance of that for the playoffs because they can get back to being that dominant if they're healthy. Yeah. All right, before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody, Saints Happy Hour is sponsored by JLD Hot Sauce and Knives. Guys, they have the best hot sauce. They're award-winning hot sauces. Come in... Uh, Bujalokia. Bujalokia. They come in extra hot. My personal favorite, Thai flavors. Go to JLDSharpSauce.com. Use the code SAINTS and get 10% off your order today. That's JLDSharpSauce.com for 10% off your order. Um, use the code SAINTS. Um, Andrew, before we get to the playoff matchups this week, we got some questions. Um, here's an interesting, uh, which pen, which player will benefit most from the bye week? That's from Dylan. You can only pick one. Um, well, I mean, I think the most injured clearly is Teron Armstead. Um, will that help him? Is it, is it torn peck is like an extra? Yeah, is it, is I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I don't know that the time off will really do anything for him um so probably the pick for me would be ramcheck i'm gonna go i'm gonna go i'm gonna go surprise answer andrew i'm gonna go ted ginn i think that knee that he had he got it back and he looked really good against the steelers right but like two more weeks do it even more good where like Armstead the peck I don't know if that's going to help him Ramchek is so beat up like he's got an arm and an ankle and all these ailments like I don't know if the extra time will do him that much good I think the extra time could do Ted Ginn a world of freaking good um I like it the uh does it, this is from Lucas does everybody sleeping on the Rams terrify y'all as much as it does me um, I mean, how could you sleep on them? You know, I just think they're yeah. so good offensively and they still have Aaron Donald. And I, I mean, uh, people like to talk about Dallas and the bears because of their defenses, but I, mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's lost on anyone with half a brain that the Rams are the biggest threat to the saints, you know, to get Dude, to the that, Super Bowl. That Rams Chicago game on Saturday is going to be magical. It is going to be a fan. I think it's going to be a fantastic watch. Maybe the Rams blow them out because it's at home and it's not cold weather and all that. But if you talk about all the games that I'm going to be excited for, because I think I think Chicago is going to beat Philly. We'll get to that in a second. But that game, Andrew, that game is going to be fantastic. I think. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm excited about wild card weekend, man. You know, the chargers and Ravens at, at Baltimore will be good. Seahawks at Cowboys will be interesting. Colts at Texans, you know? Yeah. So, um, there are matchups I'm, I'm really intrigued about, and yeah, you know, I cannot believe the Eagles got in the playoffs. Like I just, I, mean, I, that, that to me is the biggest shock of the NFL this year. When you look at look, where they were after getting beat by the saints and you know, a couple weeks after that kind of dead to rights for the Vikings to kind of blow that. And for the Eagles to get back in, I, I cannot believe in the playoffs. So I'm excited about this yeah. weekend, but yeah, ultimately I expect a Rams bears game. And I honestly don't know who wins that, but I, I still think, the Rams go in there and find a way to win, man. I still think that they're the biggest threat in the NFC. Do you? How do you think? How do you think Chicago? How do you think Seattle, Dallas is going to go? I just, I'll be honest. Like I don't want to face the Seahawks. Russell Wilson scares me, and it's not. I know his offensive line is not great, and Chris Carson's a good running back, and another defense isn't what it used to be, but. I just don't want a mobile quarterback like that. And I know Dak Prescott is mobile, and I know Trubisky is too, but I just think Russell Wilson is a cut above those guys, and I don't want to face him. So, like, if you were to ask me right now, like, what's the one team I don't want to face in the Superdome? None of them scare me, and I'm confident that the Saints are favored and should win against any of those teams, but I would least prefer to face Seattle and Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think I agree, and here's why. Thing is with Seattle, is their their pass defense, their pass offense can go to shit if they can't run the ball. And I think they because they they played Minnesota they at home and they threw for seventy five yards and won, but they ran for a ton of yards and they created a bunch of turnovers. The thing that scares me about Russell Wilson is he just creates jailbreak and he scrambles in a way that every mobile quarterback ever teams would want him to scramble like because he scrambles looking to make a throw and he never gets blasted like he's always running and he seems to always he he's like breeze but mobile you know when breeze scrambles breeze is like always aware of where like everybody is and he's like okay if i have to run for this third and four i'm gonna run right i'm gonna run six yards okay i know where everybody is i'm getting down like russell wilson does that but he can make it for 15 yards. Yep. And jailbreak plays scare you to death in a playoff game. I mean, the Saints basically lost in 1992 the playoff game to Philadelphia because Randall Cunningham hit on like three jailbreak bombs to Fred Barnett. And the Saints, they lost and they and fell apart. Cal- he hit one to Calvin Williams, I think, but yeah. Yeah, and Fred Bar- and 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 yeah, they fell apart in the fourth quarter. That was a big part of it, but th- that's what started the comeback for Philly. Like they just the dome patrol defended the play perfect. Randall Cunningham got away and chucked the bomb. Like Russell Wilson can do that too, and it scares you. It scares me. Um, yeah. Philadelphia, if they go to look, I'll almost be scared at how excited I am and happy that the Saints will be playing Philly. I'll almost feel too good about it, and because I feel too good about it, I'll be worried again. But Philadelphia, like I feel like Nick Foles is he's bound to turn into a pumpkin because he just his whole I mean. He just – that's his M.O. Like, he's awesome, awesome, awesome. Then he's a dud. Like, if he could get one more awesome game in Chicago and beat the Bears, like, I would feel really great about it. Dallas, 
they gave up three hundred. They gave up four hundred fifty yards of offense today to Eli, and they played all their people. Why did Dallas do that today, Andrew? I have no fucking idea why they did that, but they did, and they looked terrible on defense. Um, and they were trying to win. So that's the thing there. I mean, the thing is, uh, I think you're right. I, I if if you had if I had to tell you pick one road team in the NFC that's going to win next week, give me the team you think is going to win. In the NFC, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Seattle is much more likely than the Eagles to win, personally. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I think so. I think so too. And the thing about Seattle is, just, I mean, I I saw um, uh, Pete Carroll's press conference after they beat Kansas City and they clinched the playoff spot. He was they're, they're like he was so excited because they, they had kind of felt like hey they didn't make the playoffs last year our dynasty's over the Legion of Boom is gone we're we're we're, we're get we basically got rid of all the defensive people that chirp and we kept the franchise quarterback and they turned it around and they went ten and six and Pete Carroll was just saying how much fun it was to coach this group this young like they're having fun and even though they've won a Super Bowl and they got to a Super Bowl like. Their fans' expectation, that team's expectation is like, hey, this is really cool. We made the playoffs. Nobody thought we were going to make the playoffs. People thought we were going to fall apart. And they're that loosey-goosey bunch. And I don't like I don't like those teams. I'd much rather face, like, Philly, who won last year, or even Dallas. I just, like, I don't Dallas like, and the Rams are just kind of snake-bitten. Yeah, like, yeah. I just... I just don't. I just Seattle's the team. I, I I respect Russell Wilson, therefore I fear him. Um, in the A, in the AFC, man, uh, you're gonna have you probably have you're gonna have the Colts in Houston. That's gonna be a great game. Um, you're gonna have Baltimore and can and Sandy. I know the Chargers. That's gonna be awesome. I mean, the playoffs, man. If if even if it holds or you know the higher seeds don't all win, like. That second week of playoffs, Andrew, is always to me. It's like the best weekend of football of the year because you have, you you've, you usually have you have four games, but usually like three of them are fucking great games. Yep. Can't wait. <laughs> so uh, I'm giddy pretty, pretty, just thinking about it. So I think it's going to be. Uh, it's going to. This is going to be. A, this is a good. The the. the the best week is the week when the, you, the Saints are off and you get to watch the wild card games with no pressure. It's going to be fantastic, and it's going to start off with a great with an LSU win. They're going to romp Central Florida. So this week is just going to be amazing. So uh, hey everybody, have a happy. Do you do you have any happy before we get out of here? Do you have any New Year's uh, de- New Year's wishes or greetings to give to people or resolutions you're going to fire off? No, no, not really. Um, you know, <laughs> normally I'm in Louisiana every year for New Year's, and this is. One of the rare years where I'm gonna fly back actually tomorrow morning to Virginia, and I'll be in Virginia for New Year's Eve. And normally I, I'm at home in Louisiana, so that's gonna be a little weird for me. But uh, yeah, I'm just thankful for our listeners and our patrons. Happy New Year to yes. all you guys, and hopefully 2019 will be even more special. Yeah, this year has been a this year has been a fucking amazing for us. We cannot believe all the support we've gotten. It's for me, it's been a it's been a fabulous year to turn in this podcast to make it bigger and better to 
trick my way onto the TV screens in New Orleans. That's just been uh, a blast. And we can't say thank you enough to everybody. So uh, everybody have a safe and happy New Year's Eve and New Year's Day party wherever you do. And for Dave, who is MIA, for Andrew, uh, until 2019, the bar is closed. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.